And so traditional public relations has has a place. It's just moved online. Digitalmarketingradio.com. The big interview with David Bain. Is it really possible to have a data-driven, results-orientated social media strategy? How does public relations fit into the modern marketing mix? And what are the changes that are occurring at the moment in social media? Those are just three of the questions that I intend to ask today's special guest, Dr. Angela Hausman. Angela, welcome to DMR. Thanks. Well, Angela is the head of marketing at Group Surfing, and she also owns Hausman and Associates full-service firm operating at the intersection of marketing and social media. So, Angela, I'm interested in this phrase, at the intersection of marketing and social media. Is social media not part of marketing then? Sure, social media is part of marketing, and I think that's why I use the tagline on my website, um, at the intersection of marketing and social media, Uh, The reason is because even though social media is part of marketing, a lot of the people who are operating in this space don't act like it is. Mm. They act like somehow social media is this totally different animal. Um, And often they think of it as a combination of technology and journalism. And I have a problem with that because I think marketing is very important. And one of the things that tracks really well for me on my blog are the articles where I really talk about traditional marketing concepts and how they can be adapted to social media because not very many people are out there talking about that. So can you perhaps give us an example of um, marketing done well via social media? I think there are lots of really good examples of marketers who really get social media. One of the ones that I heard recently is uh, Talenti, which is a high-end frozen yogurt uh, gelato product. And they used social media mainly because they didn't have the budget to do traditional advertising. And I actually think that they were better off that way than if they had the money. Sometimes money, having too much money is a bad thing. (laughs) It (laughs) lets you get sloppy. Um, So they have a very active Facebook page where they really engage with their audience. They also have created a number of interactive tools that they, they push out through social media. For instance, they have this wheel where you can spin the wheel electronically to decide what flavor of gelato to, to buy tonight. Um, And they also do a lot of guerrilla marketing where they go to events with their little frozen carts and hand out samples of their gelato. So I think they're doing it really well. I think California Tortilla is another really great example of a company that gets it because um, I know the woman who runs their social media and you know, she's just really folksy on her Facebook page that she manages for them. It's, you really feel like, hey, this is my next door neighbor. And she's telling me about this wonderful product and giving me all these great deals. It just makes you feel really part of a community. Okay, so you've used these two great examples here, Gelato and California Tortilla. And they're obviously doing well in terms of encouraging interaction. 
um, on their various social profiles. But um, you also talk about data-driven, results-orientated social media strategy on your site. Um, How does a firm really determine the true value of that following and and, and measure its um, financial value? Right. Really good question. And there are a number of really good tools out there to help you. Um, The one that I'm kind of partial to is CoreMetrics, which is an IBM product. But I pay a lot of attention to Google Analytics. And so what I do when I'm managing a client's social media is that we pay attention to your analytics every single day. And we don't just stop with looking at the reports. We're really digging deeper to try and analyze what those results mean for you. And we also segment those results. For instance, I'm working on a client right now and we're trying to help them identify who is the sweet spot for them in terms of their target market. We're not saying, hey, ignore these other people, but but not everyone in your target market has the same value. Some people, some groups of people have a much higher value because either their average order size is larger or they shop with you more frequently, which makes them more valuable. So we're trying to identify these, and Google Analytics really helps a lot now because they've developed the um, with the uh, the enhanced analytics. You can get demographics, and so one of the things I showed a client um, the other day is we sat down and we looked at their their analytics for things like you know, time on site, which is, a, is a, a somewhat a predictor of how successful you are in building this loyal community. And one of the things that we found is that if you just looked at the number of visits, you found that one age group and one geographic region was very important. But when you looked at a more important metric, the time on site metric, we found that a totally different demographic group and geographic group turned out to be much more important for them. So by by really drilling down into the metrics, you get a much better idea of what's working for you and you can develop a much more successful strategy to increase your return on investment. Okay, you mentioned Google Analytics there. Um, Google mm-hmm. have had a little bit of a challenge in terms of moving towards the social sphere. They've tried a couple of times with their Buzz product and and now Google Plus to really encourage Mm -hmm. interaction socially on their own brand, but not Mm -hmm. completely successfully, at least not for the majority of the general public. Where do you see that going? Do you think Google Google Plus is here to stay or do you think um, Google are still going to find it ever more challenging um, on the social front? Google Plus is here to stay, and the reason I say that is because it's Google. Um, Google still accounts for about 70% of the search traffic on on the internet, and the rest is shared by Yahoo and Bing and a bunch of other companies. So there's still the big tuna out there. Google Plus is integrated into Google search in that all of those plus ones that you get from your followers on on Google Plus, um, it's called a circle, mm. but anyway, um, all of those plus ones 
get figured into that algorithm that Google uses to determine who shows up in that coveted first position on the first page of a Google search. So when you look at it from a search engine optimization standpoint, Google is the biggest search engine. Google Plus helps you in getting on the first page of that all-important search engine. So the impact of Google Plus on traffic coming to your site is amplified by SEO. And no other social media can do that in the same way. Now, with the, um, the Panda and Penguin updates to Google's algorithm, they did include uh, Facebook, Twitter, and other forms of social media as indicators. So if traffic is coming to your site from these social networks, they use it as an indicator that you're an authoritative site. In other words, you must have something valuable. But it's nowhere near the impact of a plus one from Google Plus on your search engines. Okay, so that's organic traffic um, right. and, um, and, and social traffic. And, um, but one of Google's, of course, um, key objectives is to get people using their search and end up clicking on their ads, which appear most of the time at the top and certainly nearly all of the time on the right-hand side of search results. Right. H- have you ever tried using paid advertising on social networks, so using Facebook advertising or, or, or Twitter at all? Yes. Now, I've not used Facebook advertising, I mean, Twitter advertising. I used Facebook advertising very extensively for one of my clients because they have a very vibrant Facebook page. And he was using Facebook advertising before I took him on as a client. And we've really used that and targeted his Facebook ads much more effectively. And we're really trying to use his ads, not just to get engagement on his site, on his Facebook page, but to drive traffic to his site. So to give you an example, about a week after we created his site, because he'd never had a a website before, a week after we first created this, I ran a series of Facebook ads, and within a week, I was driving 1,000 visitors a day to his site. Um, because the the analytics, you know, we talked about Google Analytics, but the analytics and the targeting tools that are available for Facebook ads are phenomenal. And uh, I don't know how we survived without those for the first few years, but but I absolutely love Facebook advertising. And because last October, Facebook changed their algorithm so that it's almost impossible now to get much organic message. Yes, spread. that's right. Yeah, for, for, for Facebook pages, for company right. pages. For your Facebook pages. Mm. Um, and so Facebook ads now are, are almost the only way to show up on the news feeds of your followers and their friends and, uh, and get noticed on Facebook. Now, I have tried LinkedIn ads because I have several B2B clients that I work with. I've not had great success with the LinkedIn ads. Uh, they don't have the kind of tools available like they do on Facebook. They're, they're much more um, simplistic. They have good analytics and good reporting, but even with the analytics, I just wasn't able to make it go 
of my LinkedIn ads yet. So I've kind of backed off on LinkedIn and I'll try those again probably sometime in the future. That's interesting because um, things can change very quickly, of course, as well. What I mean, there's a few appealing things about Facebook ads. I I remember trying them a few years ago now, um, fairly successfully. Um, I guess that's because I could get them so cheaply when I was doing them. I, I think it was probably about 2008 or so. Um, but but now, even compared with Google AdWords, the cost of of, of Facebook advertising is, is so much smaller because for certain industries, you're, t- you're talking $50 a click, maybe for, for legal or insurance type keyword phrases. And, and that's really hard to make it profitable. So Facebook ads are appealing because they're cheap, but also because they're so easy to target specific markets, mm-hmm. people who like yeah. different pages, people who have certain interests, but also people who are on certain types of devices as well. You can target people who are on iPads or iPhones, I believe. Mm-hmm. Well, but Google ads are also very highly targeted and have a much broader reach than Facebook ads. So Facebook ads, it it's much harder to reach kind of a general audience with Facebook ads. In other words, you reach your friends or friends of friends, or if you can can really narrow it down, you can fairly effectively reach people who have a general interest. Whereas Google, I think you're much more successful in terms of reaching a broader audience with your advertising. And if you know what you're doing, you can get a really reasonable click-through rate and a reasonable cost per click. I know I've worked with clients where we've gone after some of the the top five most expensive keywords, and I've been very successful in getting their cost per click down to something that's very reasonable, much less than $50 per click, sometimes as little as a dollar a click. (laughs) Wow, okay. (laughs) And it's it's all about quality score, isn't it, with um, with AdWords? Yeah. It is. It's all about the quality score. And that goes back. So everything is kind of linked together. All of those things that help your site get ranked, all of those those things in the Google algorithm for search also go into the quality score because the higher the rank of your website that um, you're, you're sending people to in your ad, the higher your quality score is going to be. But then there's also some finesse that goes into creating the ads themselves. And I'm not going to give away all of my secrets. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now, um, you're also about um, the intersection of different types of marketing methods, um, probably offline and online. Now, yes. public relations is more of a, a traditional offline um, face-to-face marketing approach um, but obviously that is about influencing people what is the new form of public relations can a public relations type person fulfill that role online now do you think well there there are a lot of online public relations sites and um, Vocus, for instance is a company that focuses a lot of their efforts on creating public relations for their clients and providing public relations tools to spread more traditional kinds of PR in the digital space. So you've got PR news and things like that. And you've got media companies like Mashable and TechCrunch in my industry. And of course, there there are similar kinds of online digital properties. 
in other kinds of industries as well. And so traditional public relations has, has a place. It's just moved online. That said, there's a lot of public relations concepts that go into social media as well. So public relations is a form of kind of subtle influence as opposed to a more overt kind of influence that you might have, say, in a magazine or a TV article. And that's the kind of subtle influence that works very well in social media. It doesn't work well to promote your product the same way you would if you were paying for advertising. So, so we really need those public relations skills in addition to traditional marketing skills in order to be successful in social media. Right, okay. So uh, we need the public relations principles and skills, but pub- public relations people, no matter where they operate, have got to understand at least the concept behind social media in order to be a success in the future. Oh, absolutely, because while I really like to stress the marketing aspects of social media, there's definitely technical aspects. I mean, look at all of the stuff we just talked about in terms of SEO and and reach and, and targeting and things like that. Um, you need to understand how all of that works in the digital space because those are the kinds of things you really didn't deal with when it was just the print and broadcast media. There were different metrics that you were looking at and you were looking at, you know, buying eyeballs and you couldn't really track what was happening very well in traditional media like you can now with social media. So it's a different world even for people who are are very highly skilled public relations people because they need to pick up those technical as well as those analytic skills that, that they weren't using before. So over the last few years, we've seen some massive changes in online marketing and social media because effectively social media really only started about 2007 or so in terms of companies starting to embrace it online. And um, after that, Facebook, I think about 2009 or so, started um, offering services like pages for businesses specifically. You then had Twitter becoming more popular. um, And now you've got supportive software helping businesses to manage their social media much more effectively online. Um, But what's going to happen over the next year or two? Have you got any thoughts on where things are going and um, what businesses need to keep an eye on now uh, moving forward? Yes. I think... For one thing, companies need to constantly scour the social spaces because they're changing dramatically. Facebook has over a billion users right now, but it could easily happen at Facebook the same way it did on um, MySpace, where MySpace was really huge, if you remember. Mm -hmm. Everybody was on MySpace, and then like overnight, MySpace became totally unpopular and nobody wanted to use MySpace. If you try and put all of your eggs in one basket and say, oh, well, I'm going to to concentrate on Facebook and I'm really going to learn this platform and I'm going to focus all of my attention on Facebook, then two, three years from now, maybe they disappear and now you've got nothing. So I think because of that, you really have to 
to learn different platforms. With my clients, usually I recommend at least Facebook and Twitter. Then if they're B2B LinkedIn, if they are a consumer company that has a heavy female population, I put them on Pinterest, um, YouTube, Vimeo, YouTube or Vimeo, uh, Instagram, and the newer ones like Vine and and Snapchat, because the new ones is where the young people are. So if you're looking for millennials, that's where you need to go is on Vine and Snapchat. So there's a certain element of targeting determining which social properties to be on, but there, there's also hedging your bets. Just like you wouldn't invest all of your money in a single stock, you have a portfolio of different stocks to hedge against uh, the, the risk. You need to do the same kind of thing with your social media and and be a little bit of everywhere, and then keep your eyes open and your ears open for what's coming down the pike, so that you can try out these new platforms as they become available, rather than have the risk of everything that you have worked for disappearing almost overnight. So I think that's one change is that you just have to be more more cross-platform kinds of things. The other change that I see happening since I first started this um, about five years ago, I guess now, um, is the, the steep increase in analytics that it used to be nobody cared. You didn't have to prove whether what you were doing was working. And then people focused on things like vanity metrics, including things like likes and and um, and Twitter followers, which are virtually meaningless now. And so the the metrics are becoming much more sophisticated, and the tools that are available to monitor what's going on are much more sophisticated. And I expect to see a lot more analytics tools out there. For, for one thing, I'm working on a social media analytics book and people know that I'm, I'm writing this book. So at least once or twice a week, I have a company contact me saying, hey, would you evaluate this social me media analytics tool that we've developed? Because they're hoping to get my insights as well as possibly be included in the book when it comes out. <laughs> Sneaky. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that's your thoughts on social media today. I mean, we could carry on talking a long time about social media, but obviously we've only got so much time. And I want your thoughts on digital marketing in general as well. So let's okay. move, move on to... Software I couldn't live without. What software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you, it would significantly impact the success of your business? One of the tools that I use every day is Sprout Social. It makes it so easy for me to curate content, which is an important part of, of managing your social media um, um, strategy. It also gives me a place. I bring in my RSS feeds from various uh, websites that I monitor, like Mashable and Social Media Today. It brings them all into one place, and it makes it really easy for me to also read about what's going on so that I'm always on the cutting edge. Every day I look at that to see what are other people writing about and what do they have to say and can I learn something I don't know right now. 
So uh, it also is helpful in terms of finding influencers so that when I'm working with a client and we've developed an infographic or we've developed this really important white paper, I'll contact influencers in that area to say, hey, we've got this. Would you like be interested in, in talking to us about it or would you be interested in sharing this? And, um, and that's really important in terms of, of increasing the reach of your social media. I wish I would have. I'd like you to look back on the very first day that you were involved in trying to market a business online. What didn't you do so well? What do you wish that you would have done differently? Um, I really wish that I had known more of the technical things when I first started. I was really kind of at the mercy of the technical people I had working with me, my website developers and people like that. And I wasted a lot of money paying people who didn't know what they were doing. Mm, mm. <laughs> it doesn't cost much to set up a really great website um, with really effective, quick hosting as well. But if you don't know what you're doing, you can be quickly spending probably thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We'll just both say yes and move on. <laughs> best advice I've ever received. What is the best piece of digital marketing advice that you've ever received? Oh, that's hard to say because I get so many great pieces of of social media advice, but probably the best piece that I ever got was to just be yourself online. Don't try to be something you're not and be humble. If if somebody calls you out on something, be big enough to say, oh, you're right, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. That th this really isn't the place for a big ego. Okay, so be yourself. Now, is does that mean that it's important for a brand to develop and um, agree upon its own personality if there are lots of people that are going to be acting on behalf of that brand on social media? Yes, I do think that it's important that it develop its own voice or, or personality. And that's hard to do when you have multiple people working on a, a particular social media campaign for a big company. I don't have that experience here because most of my companies um, are mid-sized companies that I'm working with. And so each company has a dedicated uh, community manager who manages all of the social media for that client and has a very dedicated voice that they bring to that client um, as well as their own personalities. Right. The this or that round. Okay, so this is the quick response round. Ten quick questions. Try not to think about the answer too much. I'm just looking for your gut's reaction. Ready to go? Yes. Email or Twitter? Twitter. Audio or video? Video. Affiliates or display advertising? Display. Facebook or Google Plus? Ah, oh, tough one. Um, probably Facebook. Online press releases or one-on-one -on -one relations? One-on-one. -on -one. Paid search or SEO? SEO. Email contact form or telephone number? Email contact form. Website or app? Depends on the client, but I would say website. Social follower or email subscriber? Social follower. Local marketing or global marketing? 
global. The $10,000 question. If I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it in the next few days on a single digital marketing activity, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? If I had $10,000, I would spend it on better analytics tools and they would measure their own success. They, they would tell you what to, what to spend the money on. Yes. <laughs> decent answer no that's that's really good because um it's so easy just to assume and and try and rely on your gut instinct when in reality that's not a necessity that's that, that that's not required um if you look at your analytics you know when it comes to split testing or anything like that it will tell you what to do absolutely it will tell you what to do and so if you put ten thousand dollars into analytics that's probably your biggest payoff of any place else that you could spend that $10,000. My number one takeaway. Well, you've offered um, a lot of great advice in our conversation, but what's the number one takeaway? What's the single most important step that our listeners need to take away and implement in their own businesses? That everything is integrated and you cannot pay attention to one aspect or another aspect. You have to look at all of the aspects of digital media and develop one strategy that encompasses every aspect of social media. Wonderful. Well, that takes us to the end of our discussion today. Angela, thank you so much for your time, your focus, and your willingness to give back. What's the best way for our audience to find out more about you and what you do? Ah, my website, uh, housemanmarketingletter.com. Wonderful. Well, thanks again. Thank you. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today on Digital Marketing Radio. Remember, you can get every interview before it's published as a podcast delivered as a weekly digital magazine automatically to your tablet or smartphone. And that's for Apple or Android. Just go to digitalmarketingradio.com for links to where you can subscribe and join the rest of the Digital Marketing Radio posse. Catch you again soon. Digital Marketing Radio, Digital Marketing Radio, Digital Marketing Radio.com.